Long History, Sir Walter Raleigh and Virginia. Part 3. The Hospitable People of Virginia. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Long History. This series looks at a set of documents relating to Sir Walter Raleigh and the settlement of Virginia in the 1580s. We're covering a total of seven documents, of which this is the second, and this is in fact part two of a document we split over three episodes. So we're right in the middle of the first of these journeys sponsored by Sir Walter Raleigh to the area of Virginia. It's the first of five journeys that will take place in these documents. We also have another two documents, one where Elizabeth I gives Raleigh permission to settle Virginia, and then another which describes a year in the life of the settlements in the area. I hope that makes some sense. In the previous episode, Captains Philip Amadas and Arthur Barlow sailed to the Atlantic and reached the coast of North America. After sailing up the coast, they reached an island, and this is when they arrive in the area of today's Virginia. After some days in the area, they meet a local person, which, in turn, leads to the English meeting the king of the area's brother. As this episode continues, we hear more about the local king. And just before we get started, just a quick reminder that we've covered many famous voyages by explorers including Vasco da Gama, Magellan and Columbus. So if you're interested in the age of exploration and want to listen to the very source documents of history, you've found the right place. Okay, let's get going with this series. This is Sir Walter Raleigh in Virginia, Point 3, The Hospitable People of Virginia. The king is greatly obeyed, and his brothers and children reverenced. The king himself in person was, at our being there, sore wounded in a fight which he had with the king of the next country, called Wingina and was shot in two places through the body, and once clean through the thigh, but yet he recovered. By reason whereof, and for that, he lay at the chief town of the country, being six days' journey off. We saw him not at all. After we had presented this his brother with such things as we thought he liked, we likewise gave somewhat to the other that sat with him on the mat, but presently he arose and took all from them and put it into his own basket, making signs and tokens that all things ought to be delivered unto him, and the rest were but his servants and followers. A day or two after this we fell to trading with them, exchanging some things that we had for chamois, buff and deerskins. When we showed him all our packets of merchandise, of all the things that he saw, a bright tin dish most pleased him, which he presently took up and clapped it before his breast, and after made a hole in the brim thereof and hung it about his neck, making signs that it would defend him against his enemy's arrows. For those people maintain a deadly and terrible war, with the people and king adjoining, we exchanged our tin dish for twenty skins, worth twenty crowns or twenty nobles, and a copper kettle for fifty skins worth fifty crowns. They offered us good exchange for our hatchets and axes, and for knives, and would have given anything for swords, but we would not depart with any. 
After two or three days, the king's brother came aboard the ships and drank wine and eat of our meat and of our bread and liked exceedingly thereof. And after a few days overpassed, he brought his wife with him to the ships, his daughter and two or three children. His wife was very well favoured, of mean stature and very bashful. She had on her back a long cloak of leather, with the fur side next to her body, and before her a piece of the same. About her forehead she had a band of white coral, and so had her husband many times. In her ears she had bracelets of pearls hanging down to her middle, whereof we delivered your worship a little bracelet, and those were of the bigness of good peas. The rest of her women, of the better sort, had pendants of copper hanging in either ear, and some of the children of the king's brother and other noblemen had five or six in either ear. He himself had upon his head a broad plate of gold or copper, for being unpolished we knew not what metal it should be. Neither would he by any means suffer us to take it off his head, but feeling it, it would bow very easily. His apparel was as his wives, only the women wear the hair long on both sides, and the men but on one. They are of colour yellowish, and their hair black for the most part, and yet we saw children that had very fine auburn and chestnut-coloured hair. After that these women had been there, there came down from all parts great store of people, bringing with them leather, coral, diverse kinds of dyes, very excellent, and exchanged with us. But when Granganimeo, the king's brother, was present, none durst trade but himself, except such as wear red pieces of copper on their heads like himself. For that is the difference between the noble men and the governors of countries and the meaner sort. And we both noted there, and you have understood since by these men which we brought home, that no people in the world carry more respect to their king, nobility and governors than these do. The king's brother's wife, when she came to us, as she did many times, was followed with forty or fifty women always. And when she came into the ship, she left them all on land, saving her two daughters, her nurse, and one or two more. The king's brother always kept this order. As many boats as he would come with all to the ships, so many fires would he make on the shore afar off, to the end we might understand with what strength and company he approached. Their boats have made of one tree, either of pine or of pitch trees, a wood not commonly known to our people, not found growing in England. They have no edge tools to make them withal. If they have any, they are very few, and those it seems they had twenty years since, which, as those two men declared, was out of a wreck which happened upon the coast of some Christian ship, being beaten that way by some storm and outrageous weather, whereof none of the people were saved but only the ship, or some part of her being cast upon the sand, out of whose sides they drew the nails and the spikes, 
and with those they made their best instruments. The manner of making their boats is thus. They burn down some great tree, or take such as are wind-fallen, and, putting gum and rosin upon one side thereof, they set fire into it, and when it hath burnt it hollow, they cut out the coal with their shells, and ever where they would burn it deeper or wider they lay on gums, which burn away the timber, and by this means they fashion very fine boats, and such as will transport twenty men. Their oars are like scoops, and many times they set with long poles, as the depth serveth. The king's brother had great liking of our armour, a sword and diverse other things which we had, and offered to lay a great box of pearl in gauge for them. But we refused it for this time, because we would not make them know that we esteemed thereof, until we had understood in what places of the country the pearl grew, which now your worship doeth very well understand. He was very just of his promise, for many times we delivered him merchandise upon his word, but ever he came within the day and performed his promise. He sent us every day a brace or two of fat bucks, conies, hares, fish, the best in the world. He sent us diverse kinds of fruits, melons, walnuts, cucumbers, gourds, peas, and diverse roots and fruits, very excellent good, and of their country corn, which is very white, fair and well tasted, and groweth three times in five months. In May they sow, in July they reap, in June they sow, in August they reap, in July they sow, in September they reap. Only they cast the corn into the ground, breaking a little of the soft turf with a wooden mattock or pickaxe. Ourselves proved the soil, and put some of our peas in the ground, and in ten days they were of fourteen inches high. They have also beans very fair, of diverse colours and wonderful plenty, some growing naturally, and some in their gardens, and so they have wheat and oats. The soil is the most plentiful, sweet, fruitful and wholesome of all the world. There were above fourteen several sweet-smelling timber trees, and the most part of their underwoods are bays and such like. They have those oaks that we have, but far greater and better. After they had been diverse times aboard our ships, Myself, with seven more, went twenty miles into the river that runneth toward the city of Skikok, which river they call Ockham. And the evening following, we came to an island which they call Roanoke, distant from the harbour by which we entered seven leagues. And at the north end thereof was a village of nine houses, built of cedar, and fortified round about with sharp trees to keep out their enemies and the entrance into it made like a turnpike very artificially. When we came towards it, standing near unto the water's side, the wife of Granganimeo, the king's brother, came running out to meet us very cheerfully and friendly. Her husband was not then in the village. 
Some of her people she commanded to draw a boat on shore for the beating of the billow. Others she appointed to carry us on their backs to the dry ground, and others to bring our oars into the house for fear of stealing. When we were come into the outer room, having five rooms in her house, she caused us to sit down by a great fire, and after took off our clothes and washed them, and dried them again. Some of the women plucked off our stockings and washed them, some washed our feet in warm water, and she herself took great pains to see all things ordered in the best manner she could, making great haste to dress some meat for us to eat. After we had thus dried ourselves, she brought us into the inner room, where she set on the board standing along the house some wheat like fermenty, sodden venison and roasted fish, sodden, boiled and roasted, melons raw and sodden, roots of diverse kinds and diverse fruits. Their drink is commonly water, but while the grape lasteth they drink wine, for want of casks to keep it, all the year after they drink water, but it is sodden with ginger in it, and black cinnamon, and sometimes sassafras, and diverse others wholesome and medicinal herbs and trees. We were entertained with all love and kindness, and with as much bounty after their manner as they could possibly devise. The English men have been welcomed by the women of the village, and earlier they traded with the men of the same village. There are hints of disputes with other people in the area, the village itself being fortified, and another telling detail is in the following phrase, and we both noted there, and you have understood since by these men we brought home, that no people in the world carry more respect to their king, nobility and governors than these do. It's a single phrase that reveals quite a lot actually. We can see from this that the document was written in retrospect, it's not a live diary for example. It's addressed directly to Raleigh, and it already talks about this journey in terms of the past. And they also mention the result of this journey, that they've taken some of these people back to England to meet Sir Walter Raleigh. And that claim that they respect their king, nobility and governors is one of many aspects of this document that reveal a colonial mindset. Isn't it great to come across a group of people who respect their leaders? So there's one more part of this particular journey, and the very earliest mentions of this area, and particularly Roanoke. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please do like it before you move on, and share it with any people that might be interested. That would be a big help to help promote long history. Thank you very much in advance. So we'll see what happens as this journey concludes in the next episode. This was Sir Walter Raleigh and Virginia. Part 3. The Hospitable People of Virginia. Goodbye.